there is a word that never comes back. There is a word that once the reality behind the word has passed, there is no recall. And no matter what the future may hold, no matter what may happen, it is gone, irrevocably, irretrievably gone. It is the only period of time for which we are accountable. We love the glorious past of our Christian heritage, and we ought to do that. We look to prophecy, which is merely history that God has seen before it happens, and we rejoice in prophecy, and we ought to do that. We can do nothing to change the past, though it is gone. We can do nothing to change prophecy. God has seen that history before it happens and it is just as unchangeable as is past history. We have one time that belongs to us and the time is now. We cannot change the past. We cannot change prophecy. But we can take full advantage of now. I believe in a personal literal, visible, pre-millennial return of Jesus Christ. I believe the day will dawn as unreasonable as it sounds to human logic when Christ, unawares like a thief in the night, will speak and the church will leave the earth and join him in the air. There will follow a time of great punishment and tribulation on the earth and then Christ shall come again with his saints to end human history and to set up a reign of a thousand years of glorious peace on this earth. I believe all of those things in spite of the fact that sometimes the most contentious and hard to get along with Christians in the world are people who believe just like I do. You see, God has not put us on the program committee, folks. God has not put me on the program committee. He planned it all out without consulting me, but he has put me on the preparation committee. And I am more concerned that people, whether their eschatology is right, whether they believe all of the right things about the end of time, I am more concerned that they come to have a sense of personal need and confess their sins and become saved through the blood of Jesus. And let us not lose ourselves in doctrinal debates with other people. Let us remember that God is the judge. No church, no individual answers to me. They do not answer to you. They answer to God. And though we will never agree on all things, let us agree on the fact that Jesus Christ is the only remedy to the sins and the lostness of mankind. We ought not to rejoice in the glorious coming of the Lord and at the prospect of an eternity with Him at the loss of the present time. The human tendency has always been to dwell on what is coming and to miss the purpose of now. But the Lord Jesus Christ said this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come. In Acts 1 verses 6 to 8 it says this, When therefore they were come together they asked him, the resurrected Christ, saying this, Will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, 
It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses of me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Our task is to proclaim the gospel doesn't need defended. It doesn't need to be defended. Just tell somebody about it. Our task is to proclaim the gospel. God can defend himself. We have lost the urgency of now. Now is the word that never comes back. Now is the only time that we have possession of. And now is that which we are to use to the glory of God. We have a now to live in. We are winners now. Not later, now. We are winners because what Christ has done belongs to us. In Romans 8, 1, Paul said, There is therefore now no condemnation. Today, now, there is no condemnation. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now is our time. There is a... He can, have... he can love the Lord and serve the Lord and walk with Him day by day, but if there is not about His life a commitment to the task God has committed to the church, there will be an unrest and an unhappiness. And when you begin to seek the source of that unrest, ask yourself if you are involved now in what God is doing around you and in our church and in our community. We have now to account for to the Lord. That is why I feel a deep, sense of need and a deep sense of urgency about the ministry of our church. Now we are the only congregation of our variety, though there are other fine churches in our area. We are the only Southern Baptist church between Bethany and El Reno and Piedmont and Mustang. The future is now. It is today. The ministry is to be performed now. It is next year that we should reach a thousand people a week for Bible study. Not five years from now. Five years from now, that figure should be at least doubled. We have a now to live in, a now to be accountable for. We have to risk and go out on faith and in reckless abandon follow the leadership of God. Israel followed him through walls of water at the Red Sea where their lives could have been taken. And surely if Israel can follow him into the sea, we can follow him into the future. We have a now to account for to God. I would say this morning that we have a now gospel. What is the good news? Why is it that we proclaim Jesus as Lord? It is because abundant life is ours now. We don't offer a gospel of pie in the sky by and by and you've got the wrong brand of Christianity. 
If your concept is that you must bite your lip and endure through misery until you go to glory, glory is now. Jesus lives within us now if we belong to him. Paul said Christ is in you now and that is the hope of glory. Eternal life means more than a quantity of life. Eternity never ends. It never began. It continues. It lives above time. But eternal life is a quality of life as well as a time span of never ending. It is a quality of life. It is life abundant, life joyful, life overflowing, life characterized by peace which flows deep like a river, peace which passes the knowledge of man to comprehend it. And it is ours now, the greatest possible experience. And the beginning of an eternity with God begins the very moment an individual lets Jesus Christ forgive their sins and come to live in their lives. We have a now gospel. If everybody was going to be saved in the end, evangelism would be useless. If God was going to turn his head one great day and ignore sin, then the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was a farce. For if sin did not have to be paid for with the very highest of prices, it would have been a waste and an abomination for the Son of God to spill His blood for our sins. We have a now gospel. That gospel is this. Everybody is a sinner. There's no put down in that. Nobody's perfect. And in God's perfect universe, sin has to be paid for. And there was, there was one way before Christ. A man who was not properly related to God through faith spend eternity in a devil's hell. And to maintain that relationship to God, there was a system of sacrifices where men came repeatedly over and again in repentance to offer the blood of a spotless little animal in sacrifice, and God forgave the sin. But God called all of that to a halt one day. And there at the eternal altar on Calvary, God Almighty knelt down. He slit the throat of the sacrifice, and the blood of the eternal Son of God flowed down the cross to pay an eternal price for our sins. And everybody who comes to the cross saying to God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need Him. I know that I cannot do it myself. God, will you forgive me and save me and live in me? Everyone who does that has eternal salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. And now is important because the gospel is a now thing. We also have a now commission. We are the body of Christ in this world. We are the body of Christ. The task has been committed to us. Jesus told the man who had been cured of, of a disastrous demon, he said, you go home and tell how great things God has done for you. Jesus told the church after the resurrection, you shall be my witnesses. Before the ascension, he told the church, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. 
And he said that the end of time shall not come until that gospel has been proclaimed to all the nations of the earth. We have a now commission. We are to go and tell the story. We are to do as one did who did not feel competent to share it himself. He said, come, see a man. Come and hear for yourself this Jesus. You know, the devil wants us to believe that people are unresponsive today. That's not true. I believe that with world conditions, circumstances, circumstances have conspired to make people more responsive today than I can ever recall them being. People will respond if we go and if we are faithful in the going to tell them. We have the wrong picture of it. We are ambassadors of the king. We are out seeking the lost. God does not have to be persuaded to forgive. We have a now commission and the image of the father is that of the father of the prodigal son who when he saw that repentance in his son at a great distance and the son turned around and started home, the father ran to meet him with open arms. And we have a now commission. We have that kind of a God who loves our world that much. We have a now gospel. We have a now commission. And we have a now Lord. This is the difference between Jesus Christ and any other great religious leader or founder of a world religion. Buddha, Mohammed, Confucius, all lay buried and their adherents worship at their tombs. But Christians go in pilgrimage thousands and thousands every year to worship not at the grave of a dead leader but to see the open door and the empty tomb because he is alive today. We have a now, Lord. All of them are dead. All of the others can only offer advice. But Jesus Christ, is alive today. And the glorious thing is that he is not just an influence in our world, not just some kind of a presence, but he is alive today within the heart and in the life of every Christian. Jesus Christ was scarcely 30 years old when he began to preach. His ministry lasted less than four years. The tide of public opinion turned against him. And as the world saw it, circumstances conspired to bring down a new political leader. But the truth of the matter is that from the very day Jesus came to John the Baptist at the Jordan to be baptized, from that very hour his face was pointed steadfastly toward the cross and he was in a hurry to get there, in a hurry to die. Because while he was with us, he was one man. Though he was God in the flesh, a man like no other, he was one. But after his death, after the resurrection, after he ascended to his Father, the Holy Spirit came to dwell in this world. And the Holy Spirit's task is to reproduce in every Christian the life of Jesus Christ. We have a now Lord. He is Lord today. 
He has not left us to do the best that we can. He has not left us to serve Him and to roll up our sleeves and to, to do everything we can for Him. He has come and He says, I want to be what you need. Where you are weak, I am strong. Where you fail, I will succeed. Where you lack power, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. He is here to live within us and now is urgent because every man, every woman, every child in the world can be saved as they repent and turn for forgiveness to the Son of God. He lives in me. I cannot meet the challenge. I cannot accomplish the task to which I have been appointed, but He can. There is nothing too hard for Him. The arm of the Lord is not shortened that He cannot save and perform His wonders. He can. He offers us not advice. He offers us Himself because He is Lord now. And Paul writing about Him now and in the future says this in Philippians 2, Wherefore God also has highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is a now Lord. Oh, how much happier it is for Christians when we, each one of us as Christians, discover as Simon Peter did that Jesus is the boss. To say that He is Lord means that we live His way and not ours. To say that He is Lord means that literally we let Him control us. Do you hurt? Here is the balm of Gilead. Is there pain? Here is the comfort you require. Is there sorrow and grief and frustration and despair? The answer is found in Jesus because He is Lord. One day Simon Peter, perhaps the Lord's closest friend, turned to him when he had predicted his own death and said, Not so, Lord. And Jesus said to his friend, Get behind me, Satan, for you care of the things of man and not the things of God. And Peter learned that he had the power within himself to say, Not so. He had the ability to call Jesus, Lord, but he could not say, not so, Lord, in the same breath. It is either going to be our way as we say, not so, or it is going to be his as we own him and acknowledge him as the Lord. Which is it in your life today? Oh, that God would capture us with a vision of now while we are... thousand people have died without Jesus Christ yes now is urgent no there is not time to waste or time to wait because we have a now gospel we have a now commission and the Lord is now it is the only time for which we are accountable and when it is gone 
it is irretrievable. This morning I call you as the people, as the family of God, to a commitment to now, to reaching this community now, to sharing the gospel with the one for whom you are concerned now, to reaching out to those around us now, and to being so committed to him that wherever he leads, whatever he says, we will follow joyfully, expectantly, scarcely being able to wait until tomorrow to see what God will do in the now. May we pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that the church has never in her history gotten very far away from her task. Lord, there have been times of darkness in our history. There have been times of lapse. But always the Holy Spirit brings us back to the now for which we are accountable. Lord, I pray that you would convict our hearts with an urgency about commitment. I pray that all who need to be saved today will come simply to confess their need of you and to accept Christ as their Savior. I pray, Lord, that if there are those here that you desire to be a part of this fellowship, that you would lead them to invest their lives in your ministry here now and to wait no longer. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that if there are Christians here that very simply need a new commitment, a new sense of urgency, that you would draw from every one of us what you desire. By your finger, Lord, touch us where it hurts. And having pointed out the sore spot in the need, I pray that you will do with us exactly what you want to do today. And may we be always and ever a people who, while we look to the sky for the trumpet to sound, look to the world that the lost might be saved. I thank you for your presence for the sweet hour of worship that we share. And I thank you right now for what you're about to do. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.